Hi, my name is Chris, and I'll be doing today's scripture reading, and it comes from James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. This is the reading of God's word. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simply yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we are nearing the end of our series through the book of James. Uh, it's a book that's all about what a genuine faith in Jesus Christ looks like when it's lived out in the world. And James ends his letter the same way he starts it, by talking about perseverance in the midst of suffering and trials. If you remember, James opens chapter 1 with the famous verse, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then here at the end, he addresses the issue of suffering and pain again. And he says, you want to know how a believer ought to respond to suffering in this life? Are you ready for this? He says, be patient. Be patient. I mean, it's probably not the answer you want to hear uh, if you were going through a difficult season, but that's what he says. Take a look at verses 7 and 8. He says this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Now, whenever you see that word then in scripture, like when James says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, uh, you always have to look at what comes before it. And if you remember this from last week, uh, James has just gotten through rebuking the rich for the ways they've exploited, the ways they've taken advantage of the poor, uh, the ways they've hoarded their wealth at the expense of those around them. And so when James says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, he's saying, in the midst of all this oppression and injustice and pain you're experiencing right now, what all of you need to do right now is simply wait. Be patient. He says, wait. Like you ever want something so bad, but someone tells you, you just have to wait. You ever shop online, find the exact model of the thing you're looking for, you click on it and then it says out of stock, notify me when available. It's the worst. Why? Nobody likes to wait. I mean, think about kids, right? You get in the car and not even a minute goes by before you hear it. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Like all day long, that's all I'm saying to my kids. Can you just wait, please? Dinner's going to be ready soon. Can you just wait? You'll get your turn. Can you just wait? Daddy just has to write one email. Can you just wait? And as parents, nothing annoys us more than when our kids don't know how to wait. And yet when you really think about it, you and I, we're not any better. 
Like we lose our minds when our internet is slower than usual. When the YouTube video says loading, please wait, right? We lose our minds when we're stuck in traffic or when our Postmates delivery is taking too long. We lose our minds when our prayers aren't answered immediately. Come on, God, what's taking so long? When am I going to get a job? When am I going to get married? When am I going to get promoted? When am I going to get my big break? When is this pandemic going to end? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And to this, James says, be patient wait. You know, waiting is a theme that we see throughout the Bible. Uh, And partly the reason we see it so much uh, is because God's people have never been very good at it. Uh, If you remember in Genesis 12, God tells Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Your descendants are going to number the stars in the sky. By Genesis 15, okay, three chapters later, Abraham is already asking, are we there yet? Because I don't have any children, so I guess a servant will be my heir. And God says, can you just wait? I'm going to give you a son. What do we know? One chapter later, Abraham and Sarah, they can't wait. So they take matters into their own hands. Abraham sleeps with his maidservant, Hagar, ends up having a son with her, which causes uh, a devastating ripple effect that we know changes the course of history. Why? all because they couldn't wait. In Exodus 32, you have the Israelites waiting for Moses to come down from Mount Sinai. And it says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they say, look, he's not coming down. Let's make us some gods who can lead us. So what do they do? They erect a golden calf. They start worshiping it only to subject themselves to the wrath of God. Why? all because they couldn't wait. And isn't this what all of us do? We don't want to wait on God, so we take matters into our own hands. We don't trust that he's going to follow through on his promises, so we have all these contingency plans in place. We say we believe he's going to take care of our family, but on the other hand, what if he doesn't? I better work myself to death just in case. Right? We say we believe God is in control of our country, but what if he's not? Might be better to just put my faith in a political party and trust them to fix things just in case. And I want you to ask yourself an honest question today. Have you ever seen something get better because you were impatient? Have you ever seen something actually improve on account of your impatience? I mean, think about it. In any area of life that demands patience, we always lose out when we're impatient, right? We always settle for less when we're impatient. We always end up making problems worse when we're impatient. We always end up hurting people unnecessarily when we're impatient, which is why right after James says be patient, he gives this very interesting command in verse 9. He says this, Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Why does James connect being patient in the midst of suffering to grumbling against one another? And it's because James knows when we get impatient with our lives, when we're unhappy with how our company is doing and we want results faster, 
when we're unhappy about our dating life and we want results faster, when we desperately want to see change in the world but it's not happening as fast as we would like it to, you know what we do? We take it out on the people around us. We become extremely critical of everyone and everything. Why? Because we're not getting what we want when we want it. Like, why do you think this quarantine has been so hard on so many families? Why do you think 2020 is exposing the worst in our humanity? It's because all of us are sick and tired of waiting for this year to end. You see, waiting produces pressure. And that pressure, if left unchecked, will build and build and build and then end up leaking out on the ones we love most. And this is why the Greek word for patience that James uses here, it's not a passive word. It's actually an active word that means standing firm, persevering. Like you're not just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. Patience is actively fighting against the temptation to take matters into your own hands, to take control of a situation, to lash out in anger and resentment. And the imagery James uses to describe what patience looks like is that of a farmer waiting for his harvest. And I want to draw out two things from that metaphor. Number one, all farmers back then knew that rains only came twice a year and at the same time every year, once in uh, autumn and once in spring. And there was nothing they could do to accelerate the process of crops to harvest. Like they were at the complete mercy of the calendar. In other words, all they could do was tend the crop faithfully and then simply trust that God would bring the rain. And in the same way, James is saying, all we can do is be faithful to the things God has placed in front of us and then simply trust that God is going to take care of the rest. So yes, love your kids, work hard, serve those in need, take care of your responsibilities, but don't try to accelerate something you have no control over whatsoever. Okay? Now number two, anyone who has any experience with farming knows that the seasons when you don't see fruit or put another way, the seasons when you're waiting to see fruit are just as important as the fruit itself. Like my professor always used to say, there are seasons for fruit work and seasons for root work. And it's often in those moments when we're waiting for results that God is doing the greatest work underneath the surface of our hearts, molding and shaping us to be the compassionate, humble, loving people he's called us to be. And we would never mature if God always gave us what we want when we wanted it. Like we would be kids forever. And God knows that waiting stretches us. God knows that waiting forces us to actually trust Him, to live in complete dependence. Okay? Now you may be thinking, well, that's easy for you to say, uh, you don't know what it's like to be me. I've been waiting for five years to get pregnant. Do you know how difficult it is to see the flood of baby pictures on my Instagram feed? And you're telling me just be patient? Do you know how difficult it is to go to audition after audition after audition, year after year, just to see someone who I know isn't as good as I am get all the roles? And you're telling me just be patient? And I think James expects this response, which is why he gives us two very intentional examples of patience found in Scripture. Take a look at verses 10 to 11. This is what he says. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance 
and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. He's saying, just in case you think what you're going through is unique to you, let me remind you about the prophets that you know about very well and our good friend Job, which you know about very well as well. You know, if you read the Old Testament, there was nothing glamorous about being a prophet. Prophets, by very nature of their profession, were people who lived their lives waiting for things they never got to see come to fruition. Do you know how humiliating that is? Like God tells the prophet Isaiah, I'm going to send you to people who will never get it, who will never understand or care about anything you have to say. Your life is going to be miserable. But don't worry, once it's all burned down to the ground, there's a holy seed in that stump. Well, thanks for that encouragement, God. I mean, that's a lot to look forward to, right? To the prophet Hosea, right? Hosea, one of the most depressing books in the Bible. He says, I want you to go marry someone who's going to cheat on you over and over and over again, and you're going to have to keep taking her back, and that's how your life is going to go. That's going to be your story. Talk about having to be patient. Right? And then James brings up maybe the greatest example of human suffering outside of Jesus Christ himself, Job, who did everything right and still lost everything. Like You talk about bad things happening to good people. This guy who the Bible calls a righteous man had his family, his livelihood, and his health stripped from him in the blink of an eye with no explanation given whatsoever. And yet it may be one of the most gut-wrenching statements of faith found in all of Scripture. This guy who has nothing left to live for somehow musters up these words. He says, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. And I think James gives us these particular examples for a couple of reasons. One, he wants to remind us that though what we're going through is painful, it isn't new. You know, I know we love to think 2020 will go down as the worst year in history, but James wants us to remember that if what we read in the Bible is true, 2020 is not a picture of things going wrong. It's a picture of things going normal. And I know that sounds depressing, but to expect any less pain or suffering in a world that's broken and marred by sin just doesn't make sense. So one, I think he's showing us that all of us are going to have to experience pain and suffering at some point in our lives. But two, he's showing us that patience in the midst of such suffering, though excruciating, is possible. And he's giving us these examples not to rub it in our face and say, look at these guys who suffered so much more than you did. No, he's giving us these examples not to tell us how strong these people were, but to give us hope. That the same God who sustained Job and the prophets in the midst of their pain is the same God who sustains and strengthens us in the midst of our pain today. Which is why in verse 11, after he gives these examples, James doesn't say, so go and be like Job. No, he says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. That is such a comforting line for those of us who find ourselves in seasons of waiting. Now for those of you who know the story of Job, you know that at the end of the story, God does end up giving Job everything that he's lost a hundredfold. And so when James says, you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about, I know it's tempting to think, okay, so is he saying that if I just wait long enough, God's going to give me everything I want in this life and then some? 
Well, that can't be what James is getting at because we just read last week about how this life is a mist, here one day and gone the next, and how earthly prosperity and success can often be more damaging than good. Well then, so what reward is James talking about? And twice in this text, he connects being patient to Jesus' return. First in verse 7, he says, be patient until the Lord's coming. And then in verse 8, he says, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. We may not even realize it, but the thing all of us are really wanting, the thing all of us are really waiting for is for Jesus to return, to wipe every tear from our eyes to right every wrong, to make all things new. And James, being the biological brother of Jesus, having seen him up close and personal, having seen him raised from the dead, having touched the scars in his hands, is saying, I know it's hard right now. I know the pain of losing your dad is so hard right now. I know the pain of parenthood is so hard right now. I know the pain of unemployment is so hard right now, but I've seen Christ in the flesh and he's coming back. And when that day comes, and it's coming soon, he's gonna fix all of it. You know, our text today ends on kind of a random note. In verse 12, it seems like James suddenly changes the subject when he says this, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Like, what does swearing, swearing oaths in particular, have anything to do with being patient, right? But the two are actually so connected because throughout this book, James has been warning his readers against being double-minded, having split loyalties, saying one thing and doing another, saying you trust in God and yet trusting in the wisdom of the world, keeping one eye on heaven and one eye on the stock market. And he's saying when you're in a season of waiting, you're going to be tempted to play both sides of the fence. You're going to be tempted to go to church and do Christian things to make sure you're on God's good side, but then ultimately live just like everyone else in the world, just in case God doesn't deliver on his promises. And James is saying when suffering hits, that's when your vows will be tested the most. You know, it's really easy to say I do on your wedding day when everything is perfect, when you're standing at the altar with the love of your life before your friends and your family. But can you say I do when the crap hits the fan? Can you say I do when things aren't so perfect anymore? Can you say I do when every ounce of your being feels like you can't take it anymore? And God is asking us, can you say I do even when the circumstances in your life aren't that great? And if we're honest with ourselves, the answer is we can't because it's our natural inclination to run from God, to distrust his character, to doubt his existence. And this is why the cross is so beautiful because the cross is God's guarantee that the strength to keep our vows amidst suffering and pain lies not in ourselves, but in the one who said I do to the very end. The one who said, I do, while he was being mocked and humiliated. The one who said, I do, while his closest friends abandoned and betrayed him. The one who continues to say, I do, every single day, even when we forget who he is and all the ways he's been patient with us. 
you know, if there were a person whoever walked this earth who didn't have to be patient, it was Jesus. At any point, he had the power and the authority to say, nah, this isn't working for me right now. I mean, he certainly did not have to stay on the cross, but he did. You know, as profound as Job's words were, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him, God never actually slayed Job. But he did slay his own son, who, as Hebrews 12, 2 says, for the joy set before him endured the cross. And because Jesus persevered and endured what you and I couldn't, we can now stand firm in our trials and wait in hope. Friends, I know many of us are waiting right now. We're waiting for this year to be over, for conditions to improve, for our lives to get back to normal. And I know it's not always easy to wait on God. But I love these words from Albert Tate, who's a pastor out here in LA. He says, I'd rather wait long on God than move wrong in my flesh. Isaiah 40 says, They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Remember Isaiah, the prophet who God told would have an unsuccessful career and a miserable life? He's the one who says, They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. He says, I know what it's like to wait on God, and I'm telling you, it's worth it. So friends, let's be patient in our suffering today, knowing that on this side of the cross, we have everything we need to stand firm and persevere until Jesus returns. Let's pray. Gracious God, we need your grace and mercy. Father, I know there are so many in our community who are currently shouldering unimaginable burdens and navigating challenging circumstances in this season. And I know that for many of us, it feels like we've been waiting an eternity for things to improve. And if we're honest, a lot of us are starting to reach a breaking point where we're beginning to doubt and resent you, where we're even wondering if you're in fact who you say you are. And for those of us who find ourselves feeling these things, I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring a deep sense of your presence and your nearness in this moment, that we would know that even in our doubt and frustration, you are there, and your grace and your love abound. Thank you for this word today and for the gospel that allows us to stand firm in the midst of our suffering and pain. We entrust our hearts and our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.